episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on December the 22nd, 2020. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, Santa's little helper. Uh, Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we will be discussing the games that we played. Cyberpunk is having a save corruption issue, among others. DirectX creator (laughs) Ingstrom dies aged 55, leaving behind a game-changing legacy. U.S. COVID-19 relief bill would punish streaming of copyrighted content. We'll be discussing the Steam Awards and having a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello. Hello. I think, is this the, the first year in our history that we have recorded an episode the week of Christmas? I think so, because usually, you know, shit is going down, but... Uh, shit's already gone down this year, so, right? Yeah. Maybe. There's a possible, like, an outside possibility that we'll go see my parents for mm-hmm. Christmas, who live, like, an hour away, so it's a short drive. But otherwise, like, I mean, we're not going anywhere or doing anything. We did a Zoom Christmas with some extended family uh, today um, that wanted to see my kid mm-hmm. open some presents. So it's like, you know, that's like Christmas this year. So we're home and not doing anything. And it's a Tuesday, like, or Christmas is on a Friday. So this will literally be like a Christmas episode. So Merry Christmas, everyone. And and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and all that jazz. (laughs) Like, Uh, uh, Don't forget Festivus for the rest of us. Festivus for the rest of us. If you celebrate any holiday that revolves around December the 25th, Happy Merry Jolly one to ya. And if you don't, I hope you at least get a day off of work. <laughs> you definitely deserve it. Whatever you do or don't do, you you deserve more and better self-care time. Be good to yourself. No one else will be. So, there you go. That's my piece of advice. My sleep schedule is going to be so fucked up. Yeah. I'm not working at all this week. And so, I've been staying up later than I should and taking naps and drinking coffee at weird hours. Yeah. So uh, Adidas last day is actually tomorrow and it's a half day. Yeah. So, you know, uh, she's going to be around the house, probably bored out of her skull by, let's say, the 26th. I love being around the house, bored out of my skull, except I don't get <laughs> bored because I just like play video games or hang out with my kid or something. We got a, we've gotten a bunch of new board games. Like that's what almost everyone sent us for Christmas this year. We've gotten three or four new board games. Um, and I'm pretty sure we're getting another one. At least from my parents, I think we're getting another board game. So some of them I played before, like King of Tokyo, but I've never actually played the physical board game yeah. King of Tokyo. We've only played it on tabletop. So getting that, yeah. we got yeah, a game that called Evolution. That, yeah, that game could get fucking broken, can it? Yeah, which is part of the fun, but it also can get frustrating. Yeah, we got a game called, uh, especially uh, when you're a dick about it. <laughs> right. We got a game called Small World, but it's like, it's a whole new world, because my kid is, he's been playing board games for a little while, but you really have to help him, or have had to help him before, but he's gotten old enough, and, you know, with complex enough reasoning skills to be able to be like, okay, here's how you play, you help him through a round or two, and then he's good. I mean, he's not, he's really bad at board games, because he lacks the foresight and strategic thought, but he can play without having to be, like, coached or babied through every single turn. And so it's like it's great. We're all just sitting around playing board games together as a family. It's good times. So yeah. Uh, meanwhile, 
hanging around as a family for Adida now. It's been, you know, us on our respective switches and occasionally making uh, comments uh, yeah. about uh, something playing on YouTube. Yeah. That's which, nice, too. Uh, yeah, which uh, leads nicely into the games we played. Yep. So, yep. Uh, this will probably be the first of, like, two or three weeks of talking about one particular Switch game. I've been playing too heavily. This is the one that I think I'm most prepared to really talk about. Uh, and it's Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. You know, game of the year for, what, like, two years ago, right? Yeah. Or, or something like that? Two... I think so. Two years ago, Breath of release date. I think it uh, came out in uh, 2017. So, okay. Yeah. So, uh, pretty much everybody's game of the year 2017, and I definitely understand why, especially if you haven't played PC games, and I know that sounds like a hell of a backhanded compliment, but uh, it does a lot of things really well that uh, even on PC gaming doesn't really happen very often, and I'm talking particularly... Uh, what they call their elemental system, where uh, different uh, elements can interact with one another to uh, produce varying results. And the example that I remember from E3 about creating fire to create an updraft to be able to use your paraglider to reach a a higher area as a good example of that. Uh, But there are others, like if you're out in the rain, uh, if you're wearing metal armor, there's a chance that you might get uh, struck by lightning, especially if you're out in the open. Uh, and it also opens you up to being frozen if you're hit by a cold attack. Uh, enemies uh, have electric... Tr- uh, some enemies have an electric attack that could be negated with uh, certain uh, weapons and armor, but uh, you also have to be careful about you know using electric attacks yourself because, you know, right... Uh, and it reminds me a lot of Divinity Original Sin, uh, thinking about it, just all the different interactions. But because, God damn it, that Divinity is a very dense game, and it has a very small player base compared to fucking Zelda, right? Yeah. And that, and uh, they really, really changed the formula of the game. And I think that's what people either really, really loved or really hated about it, so... Typically, okay, this is my, I guess, fourth main Zelda title I've played to some degree with, uh, actually never really completing one. I've come close and I'm still working on the one on the DS, uh, Oracle of Ages. I'm in that eighth dungeon, but I'm hitting a roadblock. So I put it down and uh, started playing this. Uh, and it's not as a directed experience. It's open world, and it's not the Bethesda-style open world. And I think that's what a lot of people hear, open world, and they immediately jump to, like, the Elder Scrolls series, where there's not a lot to do, but there actually is here. So there's a hundred-some different shrines to go around and collect, which are essentially portal-esque mini-puzzles. Essentially, you're locked in a room, or I shouldn't say locked in a room, you could leave at any point, and there's something you have to do. For some, it's using the most good, uh, one uh, infamous one that I actually stumbled across was using the motion controls to control a maze to flip a ball across to a uh, ramp to be able to unlock a door to uh, get to the end of the shrine. 
Some are just combat challenges. Some are a little bit more uh, physics puzzler without the annoying motion controls. And they really run the gambit. And I think that's where Zelda's really doing it right on the open world aspect is keeping it fresh by throwing random things at you. Uh, they spread out all the encounters to of story stuff to not just the uh, uh, the towns because there's not really a main city. This is uh, the story, at least so far, I haven't gotten too far on the story path yet, is that uh, 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 the forces of good have uh, failed. Uh, Gan came back again, because there's a surprise, right? Uh, Col- and basically, Ganon. Yeah, and him and uh, Zelda are locked in mortal combat for a hundred years, her s- essentially keeping him busy. Uh, and Link was mortally wounded and was put into an enchanted sleep to basically, you know, sleep it off. And, yeah, you know, only took a century, right? And you wake up with amnesia, and it... And I realize, amnesia is a very, very tired trope, but actually works for the sense of discovery in this game. Where, uh, since it's been a hundred years, and, you know, uh, of course, multiple generations... Uh, the idea of Link being that hero that of lore has kind of you know, faded. There are some people that recognize the name, but they're few and far between. And you're treated as just a normal person. I think it's that that's kind of sold the game so much to other people is that uh, you're you're still the chosen one, but you're not treated like it. You know? Okay. And I will say that probably the biggest bugbear for some uh and i'm not sure for me just yet because it is the weapon degradation system where you know weapons degrade as you use them and there's really at least as far as i know uh, or as far as i am right now no way to repair weapons essentially weapons are disposable weapons shields and bows which really stinks to uh uh, get something really good and then only have it, you know, 10 minutes if you're actively using it. But it also kind of forces you not to get into a rut. You know, get the best sword you can, the best shield you can. It makes you kind of ration things. And there are ways to get more slots uh, to be able to carry around more stuff. And it also allows you to kind of customize what you want to do by uh, getting more slots for bows so, you know, you can lean more towards uh, ranged combat or more uh, shields or more melee weapons. I mean, it doesn't really bug me that much right now. I'm sure I'm probably as a bugbear if, you know, you get late game and suddenly you're screwed because, you know, you didn't stockpile your weapons. Right now, it's not that big of an issue, though. But I do see why people really dislike that system, and I imagine that it's not going to be uh, in the sequel. I'll be shocked if it is, actually. <clears throat> Which they are actively working on. From what I understand, I mean, I haven't played, but, you know, I told you I watched that really long, like, deep dive on the game. From yeah. what I understand, there's no way to repair any weapons at all. The Master Sword will regenerate after it gets broken. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, there's no way to repair weapons. Like, when they're gone, they're gone. Yeah, which I'm not actively trying to spoil the game for myself with uh, reading wiki stuff unless I uh, get stuck on something. Like, 
I've had to do it for two shrines, one which was a little obtuse, and one for that uh, motion control uh, maze shrine, because I wasn't sure if I was doing it right, and I was. It's just, you have to do it just right to be able to uh, flip it, because it's not uh, the maze that you're having to navigate on. It's slightly detached away from the ramp, so you basically have to... Uh, as the ball is going down the final stretch, uh, flick the maze, for lack of a better term, and cause the ball to go flying. And since I was playing in handheld mode, it was a little harder uh, to be able to not only just flick the uh, entire system, but also to be able to see what the fuck I was doing. But, you know, that's just uh, really just, you know... I shouldn't say system issues. It's more, uh, they have to try to uh, accommodate essentially three major different uh, play styles. You know, tabletop mode, uh, the uh, handheld mode, and the TV mode, which typically is uh, tabletop is, you know, with the controllers uh, in hand, uh, TV uh, with the plastic bullshit thing, and handheld is, uh, you know, the just the handheld with the Joy-Cons connected. So I definitely see why it's sometimes a little off. Uh, uh, graphically, though, it is impressive for what it is. It's using a cell shading, not as heavy as the old uh, Wind Waker. And they don't mm-hmm. try to bash you over the head of, hey, look, we're cell shaded now. But it really try, uh, it really sells the more out there visuals for some of the enemy designs. Like the giant octopus guardian things. I think that it, if they went with a more realistic style, it would have looked so much worse. But I, that's very objective as well. Because, you know, art styles are very subjective to people's tastes. But uh, cell shading and uh, more, or I should say less realistic uh, art styles tend to hold up a bit better. And mm-hmm. it does let them get away with some of the limitations of the switch hardware you have the some of the uh le- level detail uh, issues that if you look really closely you can notice uh, it going from a low poly to uh, the high poly uh, as it gets closer uh some clipping uh, a couple uh, trees appearing here and there which sounds like i'm really shitting on the game because yeah but uh, graphically it is very beautiful it's just you know I'm also coming from PC, so yeah, I'm tend to notice these sort of things. I, I would think a lot more than a console player, or a strictly console player, I should say. But overall, I've been enjoying it. Uh, it's kind of also a kind of refreshing thing of being told, yeah, um, maybe you shouldn't be hurrying to try to uh, defeat the big bad. Maybe you should go off and you know faff about a little bit. You know, try to get your memories back. You know, that that's probably a good idea, right? become a big strong boy <laughs> yeah and uh unlocking your memories is the way that the game kind of tells the backstory there's a quest line where uh, you're you know, the big uh gimmick for this one because the zelda series typically has some sort of gimmick especially in the later ser- uh, later games of the series uh and the one for this one is uh, the sl- uh the Shira slate or I think I'm... The Sheikah Slate? Sheikah Slate, sorry. Yeah. Which is essentially the Switch. <laughs> it has a uh, a big uh, screen on it, and it's a tablet, but 
the way Link holds it, it's holding it like you're holding uh, the Switch in uh, its portable mode. And the uh, memory quest is you randomly find this one painter guy all around the world and you show him a picture uh, from the Sheikah slate. And he says, oh yeah, that looks like this place. Uh, and it's very Morrowindish in its uh, way it's telling you. Most of the quests, it puts a map marker on the uh, on the thing. Go to map marker, go to map marker, go to map marker. This, it says, okay, well... This looks like it's in this pass that's south of this mountain to the west, uh, to the sorry, to the east of us, uh, and it, it gives you a general idea of where to go. But then you have to go hunt down the rest of it yourself. I will say that the final trigger is usually pretty obtuse. You have to be practically right on top of it, and for some of the pictures, it's very not apparent just where it is. So you're forced to run around a little bit. But it's, it's, I think that's what it is. The entire game is kind of a refreshing change from the typical, not just Legend of Zelda, but kind of general AAA RPGs. Where, yes, the uh, the world is fast, but it does feel deeper than what you typically find. There's more to discover. It's not just, uh, you know, three square miles of medieval England copy and pasted over and over again. Right. Uh, the idea that you have to contend with the elements, you have to watch the weather for uh, thunderstorms that are coming up, or if you're venturing into the highlands to be able to either pack warmer clothes, or, uh, you know, uh, swap out your really, really good armor for armor that's not as good, but offers you some protection from the elements. Or uh, do some cooking to be able to uh, get some sort of protection from the cold for a time being. Uh, I should say I'm focusing on the cold because that's what I've dealt with the most so far. Uh, try to uh, get elemental protections from various things. Uh, enemies that uh, if you try to take them uh, head on uh, too early, they will fuck you up. And it's just a nice change of pace. I will say that cooking is a probably my biggest issue with the game just because mm -hmm. it is very cumbersome i would have loved to seen it just in a menu i understand why they didn't because a lot of the game is about interacting with the world and uh, the way you do cooking is you go into your uh, inventory and you physically pick up the uh, items and you see them in link's hands and you drop them into the uh, into the cauldron and you know in Poor Jared has that damn song in his head right now, even though he's never played the game. Yep, I hear the song. Uh, and different combinations of uh, uh, ingredients produce different things. Uh, increasing the amount of uh, items that you put into the recipe also increases the amount of hearts that you heal. You could throw in, like, if you put a pumpkin in, it'll increase your defenses. If you have a certain mushroom, it might increase your... Uh, speed it might make you stealthy if you and then there's the elixir system which is essentially the same thing only it's using monster parts and different critters around the world so you may occasionally see like a snail that you could grab or you might be cutting the grass you know a, a classic zelda pastime and uh, pick up some crickets that uh, will allow you to stealth for a while or uh, have a uh, run uh, bonus run speed and they typically don't uh, 
increase as many hearts, but they have a more potent uh, secondary effect. But you also can only have one of these effects at a time, so mm, right, you have to be careful not to just pack up. Okay, well, I'm going to have all my food give me uh, uh, speed and all my, all the random elixirs. No, sorry, you can't do that. You're going to end up screwing yourself. You have to have some that's just pure healing. Uh, and also, you have to uh, manage your horses. Uh, I have three so far, uh, uh, which have different attributes. You can also feed the horses to increase their friendship towards you. Oh, and also, you can uh, sneak up on a bear and ride that. That's always fun. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I went and uh, I was going to just stealth attack a bear because I was sleeping. And, you know, I wanted some bear meat. Uh, you know, get some uh, health going. It said, mount. Okay. Uh, I'll mount the bear. <laughs> and some, it's only Jared is smiling. No, not I, that type of it. bear. Uh, but uh, it's uh, little interactions, I think, is what really sells it. Uh, not just be able to climb on the back of the bear and be able to ride it around for a while, but eventually taking it back to the stables, which is uh, uh, how you get horses in this, at least in the early game, is you capture wild horses and you essentially tame them. And then once you get them at least somewhat tame, you take them back to the stable and register them so that they take care of them. But uh, they also provide you with the bridle and uh, uh, the saddle. Well, if you take a bear back, everybody is panicking. They say, no, we we deal in only horses here. Go away. (laughs) And it's just little interactions like that. I think I I could definitely see why people... uh, fell in love with this game and also i could see why people hated this game because there are things that would be bugbears if uh, you focused on them too much the weapon durability the fact that it's a very different title than uh, you typically have with the the legend of zelda series uh the shift from uh, from a very linear uh hero's journey to kind of this open path of Okay, well, you could take on Ganon right now if you really want. Uh, you could uh, uh, work on uh, restoring your memories. You could work on getting some power to be able to take on Ganon sooner. Or you could just faff about. And it's kind of up to you what you want to do. And you have to actually go hunting for a lot of the story if uh, you're wanting to just not deal with some of the uh, uh, secondary questing. Uh, yeah, so far I've been really enjoying it, though. It's been a good just, you know, sit on the couch and play. But but also, I've also, you know, I kind of uh, do what I was getting into by playing Gishin Impact. So uh, it's not a one-to-one analog, but getting a feel for how the game controls and the idea of uh, going around and gathering for a lot of stuff. Uh, Since I knew what I was getting into a lot more, I was able to really justify buying it. Nice. It just I'm sucks. Glad you're enjoying it, it just sucks that it doesn't go on a deeper discount, but that's Nintendo for you, right? Yeah, unless you go shop the secondhand market, although that's not super discounted either, as we uh, discovered yeah. looking through eBay. Yeah, you didn't realize that, did you? Well, I mean, I I, I don't I haven't bought any games for my Switch since I I got it, and like they had that one big sale like the week after I bought my Switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I'm saying here, I'm waiting for them to do it again. Yeah, come on, fuckers, do it again. Yeah. I have, a, I have a memory card on the way. Come on, golf story. Sale time. Um, Sweet. 
Well, I only played one game this week that I could talk about. I mean, I you know, I played some more Celeste for Game Club, but not going to talk about that this week. And then I played some other things that I have previously played, like Battletech and some more PS2 games. <laughs> uh but not enough to really discuss anything. Um, but I did, I did get Ace Combat Six: Fires of Liberation. I, I bought it on eBay um, for Xbox 360 because that's it was an Xbox 360 exclusive, and because of backwards compatibility, you can play it. The Xbox 360 emulator for PC is uh, not good at the best of times, unless they've been like some major updates since the last time I checked. Um, but anyways, it was like ten bucks. And that was really the only way to get it, unless I wanted to buy the digital deluxe edition of Ace Combat 7 on Xbox for, like, 80 bucks. And I'm not going to do that. So, anyways, got Ace Combat 6, played through the entirety of the game last week. It's good. I mean, you know, this is the third week in a row I've talked about in the Ace Combat series kind of indirectly the first week and then directly with Ace Combat 5 last week. Everything that I've said about the Ace Combat series continues to stand true, like it it controls really well. Um, Ace Combat 6 changed some stuff up with your wingman, but overall it made the game better um, from a mechanical standpoint. Uh, Controls better, the graphics are better, Um, you know, jumping up to a a more powerful console. Um, They added, in, in essence, they traded gameplay for story. There are fewer missions, there's only about half as many missions, but they're all a lot longer and cover larger battlefields. The Ace Combat 5 was a really focused story on sort of you and your crew, and it, it tackled some bigger themes, but it was always about what you guys were doing. And Ace Combat 6 is much, much broader from a storytelling perspective. Um, and the missions that you do is like your combat support over like theater area campaigns. And so a mission will take 30 or 40 minutes to do instead of 5 to 10 minutes. Um, for, you know, sort of the average mission in Ace Combat 5. So they do have checkpoints, which is good, because if you played for, like, 30 minutes and then got killed and had to start the whole mission over, that would be infuriating. So they they did decide to add checkpoints, which was nice. Added the feature to be able to land and rearm and repair mid-mission, which is really good. Um, And then otherwise, just uh, they allowed you to issue commands to allied units basically once you complete objectives on the map it frees up them where that you can issue simple attack or defend commands for them um you know and they'll provide support to you so that's nice um but the the story is is a big mess it's follows five let's see there's the mom there's the colonel there's the tank crew there's your people and then there's the kids so yeah it follows five groups and tries to like tie all of their stories together i think what they were trying to do was to say like yes we're stronger together and we should all unify and work together but it's just a mangled mess um from a uh narrative perspective like you can follow it and it's fine it gets the job done but it does not carry the same weight or punchiness as Ace Combat 5 did. So mechanically it's superior, um, but Ace Combat 5 was already extremely solid from a a mechanics perspective. So 6 tweaks that and gives it a a few improvements, but the story goes from being amazing to painfully average at best. So I scored Ace Combat 6 at 74 on my list, and Ace Combat 5 
uh, got a 78. So they're, they're pretty close. The mechanical advantages definitely like bump it up a few marks. Um, but I, I just think that it sort of loses out some of that punchiness when it when the story is as chaotic and erratic as it is. But I mean, it's still a, a fine game. It's a fun game. So if you like the Ace Combat series and you know you haven't played six, maybe because it was an Xbox 360 exclusive, uh, well, you still might not be able to play it. I don't know. They've discussed re-releasing it on Steam or on PC, like doing like a big collection of them to release on PC, which would be great um, because that would mean that a couple of games that are currently inaccessible, unless you have the console and the physical disc, would be available again. Um, and otherwise, I guess just keep hoping for the Xbox 360 emulator to get better. Um, so yeah. That's the only game I played this week. I did. I. I don't. I don't know where. So I'm just gonna mention it here. There was in Discord. There was a mention of a documentary to go watch, and it's like a three and a half hour documentary on the Great Pyramids, and I really liked it. And if you are interested in that sort of thing, you can. You should go watch it. It's on YouTube. You can watch it uh, for free. Um, YouTube has placed ads on the video. So if you're not using an ad blocker, you'll have to deal with some ads, but otherwise just run an ad blocker. Uh, the first five minutes don't sell the documentary very well. I don't know how much of that is just like it's 2020 and I'm so fed up with anything that even could remotely sound like a conspiracy theory. But it does that thing that documentaries will sometimes do where they're like, we're going to reveal to you the truth about the thing that we're going to talk about. And it makes it come across kind of like conspiracy theory bullshit at first, but it's not. It's a legit documentary with, as far as I can tell, good science. A couple of the conclusions they reach are maybe a little little far-fetched, but the like the the base like from where they start from is very solid and I agree with. So, good good documentary. Uh I mean, I I got a link to the YouTube video. It'll be in the show notes, but also you could go see it in Discord, so. Yep, that was that was my week. Ace Combat 6 and a documentary. And I'm halfway through that eight-hour retrospective on Morrowind. God, that is so long. <laughs> it's good, though. It's got me... I, I reinstalled Morrowind for the first time in several years. Um, and I'm gonna gonna try to play through it with my sort of, uh, you know, grown-ass adult brain. Because the last time I really, really played Morrowind for any length of time, I was in college. So that's been a while. So I'm gonna gonna go back and and try to give it another shot gotta get it it working properly first though modding that game on steam is a little bit rough there haven't been any guides that have been updated for a couple years that i've found but i also haven't looked super deep yet so maybe in a few weeks we'll we'll, i'll talk about marwind woo woo so ready to go do the news uh yeah let's do the news because oh boy right yeah talking about rough yeah, we're going to talk about Cyberpunk again, because it just continues to get worse. The The headline that we're running is Cyberpunk uh, has a save corruption issue, but that's sort of I the biggest one, at least I think in our opinion, since last week. But there have been so many things that continue to happen. Like, they've done a Fallout 76, like what Fallout 76 took a few months to do. We were like, wow, so fast, so much Cyberpunk has done in a week. Yeah. So, specifically this issue that that we're sort of uh, 
headlining is that on PC, if your save file goes over eight megabytes, it becomes corrupted and is gone forever. Or I should say that particular one. If you have a a different one that's not eight megs yet, well, that's true. You go, if you're doing, you could go back in time, right? But and and it's it's just bad game design that that this is happening. Um, eight eight megabytes, like you may or may not like think about it, but eight megabytes is is an extremely small file by modern standards. You know, ten fifteen years ago especially like eight megs was you know a significant chunk of of data but now that's nothing mm-hmm. um and the and what it what it's doing what what every time you craft or put stuff in your inventory like as your inventory size grows your save file grows and so if you engage with the story and like all of the storylines and the side quests and are collecting stuff as you go and especially if you engage in the crafting system at all and you don't realize this, and you're not like trying to manage your inventory, then you are going to corrupt your save file. So basically, the more in-depth you play the game, the faster you break your save game. And that's bad enough. But the crafting makes it even worse, because some of the high-end stuff is bonkers. Yeah. The crafting system is also broken from a... Uh, like a gameplay perspective. You You can get more out of stuff when you break it down. So you can craft a low-level item and then break it down for more parts than you crafted it for. So you can use that to get, in essence, infinite money or infinite parts. Um, there are, to, if I am have understood this correctly from things that I've seen on YouTube and people talking about, that you can take certain perks that let you get higher-level materials whenever you break down a lower-level item. And so you can you can do that to farm high-level stuff. Which, you know, fair enough if someone wants to engage in that system. Like, that's that can be frustrating, for sure. And if that's, like, the linchpin of your game, then it can completely ruin it. But that system having, you know, not being properly balanced or where, whatever you want to call it. Like, fair enough. Like, that's a frustrating, annoying thing. But not the end of the world, especially compared to a lot of the other issues that Cyberpunk has. But the fact that you doing that to farm these materials means that you're going to corrupt your save file because as you get more items, your save file size grows. So that's that's where it becomes hot garbage. But all of this in and of itself would not be... It would be a pretty big deal. But it, it wouldn't be like the end of the world. But the way that they responded to it does make it yeah, just, such a huge deal. Yeah, just what the fuck. So, do you want to read this one? Because um, I can't promise uh, 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 the official response, that first one. Yeah, so um, you know, people have been, you know, who have been complaining and, and talking to them about them, and the official, official response from CDPR is uh, unfortunately, the save is damaged and cannot be recovered. Please use an older save file to continue playing and try to keep a lower amount of items and crafting materials. If you have used the item duplication glitch, please load a save file not affected by it. The save file size limit might be increased in one of the future patches, but the corrupt files will remain that way. And they continue. Yeah. The, this, this is, is where this, it gets... Yeah, this, this is the bad part. This is pride and accomplishment territory. Yeah. Not all games are designed for unlimited, endless play. Not all games are designed for a new game, plus, 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 etc. 
uh, Cyberpunk 2077, as of now, seems to have been designed with upper limits in place, likely to avoid issues elsewhere in the engine, just like in The Witcher 3. The workaround for now, don't do it. Play the game until the end, then start a new game. Don't continue saving and reloading the same character for too long. Don't craft thousands of items at once. Just, what the fuck? Yeah, so they spend years hyping this up as an endless world where you can go everywhere and do everything and be everything. As long as you and don't then, break eight megabytes, it seems. And then they say, nah, don't play it. Just do, Our game's not meant to be played forever. Don't play it. Beat it, and then just be done with it. <laughs> Like, fuck off, CD Projekt Red. I, I never... I'm well beyond the point of, like, trusting in and having faith in developers. I don't believe in them as far as I could pick up their corporate headquarters and throw it. But still, like, when you're a dickhead, fuck you. Fuck off. That's what I have to say mm-hmm. to them. <sighs> they're in they're act- they're in class action lawsuit territory. I've seen rumblings that investors partic- in particular are um, considering a class action against CDPR. <laughs> because i mean not only is there this like we said it's the top headline but it was pulled from the playstation store um at microsoft is offering blanket refunds on digital purchases for it um best buy was doing refunds for a while i don't know how long the time frame was for best buy but like you could bring your physical opened copy back and get a full refund from best buy which damn right yeah physical retailers don't do that shit very often i mean this is in in essence, like a product recall for, you know, food or cars or other like defective products. Like that's what that what this says to me. It's like, oh, this is a product recall because the game is, is busted so bad. Um but let's see. It's going to have to go through recertification for both Microsoft and Sony. And uh it's gonna face more stringent certification uh standards this time around. Which, I don't know how this game got certified in the first place. I watched, I think it was Modern Vintage Gamer. It could have been another YouTuber that I that I follow who talked about this. But talked about the certification process and how that essentially game companies can apply for a waiver. That that says, like, we promise that we will fix the, the issues that you've pointed out to us when the game, like, by the time the game has launched. Yeah. And, and that includes, like, a day one patch. And what he surmised was that probably that Sony and Microsoft were not going to certify the game, and they applied for a bunch of these waivers and and swore they were going to fix the problems, and then they didn't have them fixed by launch, and they just hoped that they would get away with it. Yeah, which, mind you, this is all of this is happening after how many uh, delays? All right, Several, yeah. What was the state of the game before? Yeah, I can't imagine because it, it was it was in I think earlier this year sometime I don't remember specifically when, but they were saying, "Oh yeah, the game is complete. We're just polishing it. We're just polishing it." And to me that says like I mean what what that means, what people hear is like, "Okay, the game is done and it's working and, you know, we've got time, so we're going to work on these little things, like these, you know, little side things that we wanted to get working just right and we have the time to do so, so we're going to do that." Like that's what that statement says. But what they mean is our game is fucking garbage and we need to fix it. But we also have to make people believe that it's going to be good. So we're just going to lie to you. That's just damn right. Yeah. Fuck off, CD Projekt. This, I I don't know. I will probably still eventually play it. But the way that I'll play it is by hoisting the Jolly Roger. 
in you know six months or a year when maybe it's okay maybe and this makes me not want to play like witcher 3 or anything else that they do or touch like i'm getting like serious ea vibes from them because i don't i don't i'm getting serious bethesda vibes i think this is worth worse than bethesda like I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's just my immediate sort of gut level reaction. Th- th- this to is it. like, but a I feel like Bethesda, they're worse than Bethesda. Uh, this is a Bethesda yeah, release with uh, EA support. Yeah, the worst of both worlds. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see how it all shakes out. They're hot. They've they've released a couple of hot fixes. I don't know what they've actually fixed. I think they maybe it's one hot fix. Um, I don't remember specifically, but. And they've promised, like, another one soon, and then there's supposed to be an update in January and an update in February. And that's it. That's all they've really said about what they're working on, at least at, that I'm aware of at time of recording. Yeah, let's see. Well, let's just put it this way. You get, you go to look at the hotfix logs, and it's rather long. And this is just uh, one of them. I don't see anything mentioning a save on this. I have a feeling the save issue is going to be a little bit more deep if it's this random, or I shouldn't say random, because eight you know, is a very particular number in computing, but eight hard limit like that, it just tells me either they did something in the code to make it so uh, make it that way, they changed things too radically and broke something too late to be able to rewrite something, and it was going to be multiple save files or, you know, like uh, the save, uh, the actual save file would be broken up into different portions. Yeah. Or, you know, like a persistent file for the world, uh, a character file for your primary, uh, for the player character, maybe another uh, uh, file for the state of NPCs, another ca- uh, file for quests, that sort of thing. Partic- uh, possibly. <laughs> because I have seen that before where, the save data is more fragmented than just a single file. Actually, quite often these days. But uh, 8 megs is just so weird. Uh, especially today. Now, if this game was tw- you know, 20 years ago, right? Yeah. You know, that, that would be a fucking huge, huge save file. But no, 8 megs is nothing now. So what are they doing to set just this very low arbitrary thing? Well, outside of, you know, burning all possible goodwill that they possibly have built up over the years, right? Yeah. Did you see the uh, this week's Jimquisition? Uh, no, I didn't. I saw it's... I saw some people flipping the fuck out about it because he uh, talked about uh, hormone replacement therapy. And, you know, some of the more left-leaning people I follow on Twitter were losing their fucking mind over it. Losing their mind in a good way or a bad way? Uh, bad way. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, he has never made his, uh, gender stuff. Like, that's never been a secret. If you're, like, I mean, I guess if you just casually interact with him, like, through Uh the Jimquisition and stuff. I don't know if it's ever come up there too often. But on, you know, if you follow him on Twitter or on listen to his podcast, any of his podcasts or whatever, like he talks about it pretty regularly. Like it's not a surprise that he's, you know, talking about and you know doing that stuff. Like, well, see, the thing is, I don't follow his podcast. Right. I only, I think I follow him on Twitter, but I only see him tweet every so often, and 
That's basically because I try to avoid social media these days. Yeah. Good plan. Yeah, let's just put it this way. I pop on, see what the uh, a couple of the local reporters are saying about the governor's latest uh, coronavirus uh, briefing, how he's uh, taking himself further into the sand and, and ignoring the massive death toll that he's racking up. Uh, and then, you know, try to ignore it for the rest of the day. Yeah. And then I go the, make uh... bread. <laughs> Right. But he does a like a three. It's a two or a three minute song about cyberpunk and how terrible it is. It's great. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not a great song. Jim Sterling is only marginally a better singer than I am, but it's really fun. Well, that's and a low stupid. Bar, that's true. But it, it's only it's really fun and stupid in, in, a, in a way that only like, Jim Sterling can get away with. So Jim fucking Sterling's son. <laughs> But, yeah, it's good. Anyways. Yeah, I don't know. Have we run out of steam on Cyberpunk? Uh, For now. I mean, I'm sure they're going to do something shitty in the next week or two, right? I'm sure. Several things. Oh. And here's the thing. I, I, I want to come out and say this. We don't enjoy bashing a game over and over again. Okay, maybe Evolve. Maybe Evolve. Evolve was special, though. But... We don't root for games to fail most of the time. It's just when there's this level of, I won't even say incompetence because this is an incompetence. This is malice. When this level of malice and this level of, you know, eh, well, we'll put it out broken and fix it later. We kind of have to talk about it, especially when they say, well, the game isn't meant to be played forever. Never mind the fact that they talked about how the game was hundreds of hours long. Yeah, yeah. I I like to I like to like games, and I I I do think that I can come across as overly critical. I think we both do that sometimes, even for stuff that we really like. That's just kind of the way that we are, and we converse and we talk about this stuff. But I don't revel in talking about a game that's bad, or most. But I also can't just let it go. I just can't be like, ah, it's fine, whatever. Triple A dev's gonna triple A dev. Like, is our criticism going to do anything in the grand scheme of things? Probably not. But we have to be honest and call this stuff out. And for anyone who comes and listens to our show, you know, maybe this is the first episode they've ever heard from us. And they're like, oh, they're talking about cyberpunk. I was thinking about buying that game. Like, you know, if we don't talk about it, then, you know, they might make a bad decision. Might waste some money on a broken game. I want people to enjoy the things that they spend their money on. Yeah, by the way, there's the Steam sale. Go go spend money there instead. Oh my god, I'm going to spend so much money on the Steam sale. Santa Claus is coming to town. And he's going to fill your stocking. Oh, yeah. I'm probably only going to buy one thing for me. Maybe two. Like, I'm going to have a pretty pretty hard limit on myself. But I got money in my PayPal account and a $2,000 credit limit, baby. Woo! <laughs> Don't, I, I I don't think I'm going to spend $2,000 on my credit card. That would be very financially... Uh, no, 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 you heard him. It's Valve indexes for everybody. <laughs> that would be very a, a very poor decision to make for my bank account and for my life because my wife might kill me. If she's like, you spent how much money? <laughs> I could get away with a little bit of it. Just just a little bit. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I got in the spirit of giving. She'd be like, oh, you dopey idiot. Stop it. But if it's like, you spent two grand? 
she would murder me. So Yeah, but look at all the cards I got back. <laughs> look at all the Steam trading cards this, this I got. This is at least a dollar's worth of cards. Wow. That would make it worse. She would kill me again. Some she would find it. She would go to the ends of the earth, resurrect me, and then kill me again. Worth it. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, okay. Let's move on to our next news topic. Uh, this one was provided to us by Jim thirty five thirty five on Discord, um, and it is a sad piece of news. DirectX creator Ingstrom. Ing- Dies at age 55, leaving behind a game-changing legacy. Yeah, so for those who don't know who this is, and admittedly, I don't know the the name off the top of my head. Yeah, DirectX. This is the, well, one, uh, the system that you're installing over and over again, because, uh, yeah, that's what Steam keeps installing over and over again, but... Uh, back in the day, PC gaming was kind of a mess, and DirectX was this unifying unifying force that really made things work a lot easier and made games a lot more accessible, at least on PC, I should say. Uh, to the point that the reason why Microsoft's console is the Xbox is because of DirectX. Yep. That's how it, fundamental it was. And still is. There are uh, alternatives to it these days, but a majority of games are still their foundation is in DirectX, and yeah, it's just fucking tragic how he died too. So, and for for uh, anyone who doesn't know, actually, before you before you move on to this, yeah. what DirectX is is an API, which stands for Application Programming Interface. In a nutshell, an API is able to translate what a program wants to do and communicate that to your CPU. Um, This is a a gross oversimplification, but it it acts as like a translation language because the program that you're using probably can't directly talk to your CPU and tell it what it needs. And so the API is able to translate that as quickly and efficiently. And there's different APIs that serve different functions. There's a few like main standards in the industry there's other ones that you can work with as well, but um, yeah, the they're, they're main ones are be, DirectX and Vulcan these days. Yeah, they're direct, but they're designed to be you know have as low overhead as possible and be as quick and efficient as possible. So that's just just so that anyone who's listening isn't aware of what specifically DirectX is, other than the Steam the thing that Steam wants to install every time you <laughs> install a game, particularly that's like eight to twelve years old. Okay, sorry, con- continue. Okay, so uh, he died on December 1st, and it's really just now getting to uh, PC gaming circles. It's popped up uh, a couple times over the last couple of weeks as I did a little bit of research on this. So he was uh, uh, a person that liked to get into the lab, and he dropped a monitor on his foot. And according to reports, I haven't found at a, uh, a news article that tells it this but there's some secondary reports that basically he od'd on tylenol and and damaged his liver oh dang that sucks that's unfortunately really easy to do yeah especially with tylenol the uh uh, the od limit is very close to the uh, to the pharmaceutical limit yeah and uh the his obituary says he died due to organ failure 
So, you know, it does lead some credence. I did find his obituary. Yeah. Man, that really sucks. Because I'm, I'm, I'm guessing basically if, if that's, you know, he dropped a monitor and hurt his foot. Yeah. He was just in pain. And he took uh, a little bit too much Tylenol and, uh, or took Tylenol for too much for too long and damaged his liver to the point that it caused other issues and he died from it. Yeah. And I'm not uh, saying it as, how, look at this goofball because it is really easy to do and uh, life is fleeting. You uh, can die from uh, a very simple thing, especially if you're, I shouldn't say careless, but because that's not, that's being a little bit too crass, but right. Yeah. I'm looking for what the dosage is because like, that makes it, you know, you said like they're really close and they are, but like it's, it's the difference in like a, a one or two pills as like the, the limit versus what can start to poison and kill you. And if you've got other factors that maybe you aren't aware of, like acetaminophen, which is what Tylenol is like, that's the generic for, name for the drug. Acetaminophen doesn't mix well long-term with alcohol and certain other types of medication. And if he already had issues with his liver or kidneys, Mm -hmm. then going, you know, too close or or over that limit for too long a period of time, which is just a a few days, could have led to rapid organ failure. I'm I'm on Wikipedia right now. Let's see. So if you go, it's six grams. If you take, have six grams over the like maximum recommended dose starts to put you in lethal toxicity territory. So, you know, if you look at, uh, like if you're supposed to take say 200 milligrams of it, um, at a time, then if you take just 206 or no, let's see 200 milligrams. So if you take 600 milligrams, that can put you Six to eight hundred milligrams in a day that can put you into the lethal toxicity. Which you're like, oh man, that sounds like so much. But these pills are usually given in one or two hundred milligram increments. So it's like you take two pills and you're like, oh, that's not doing anything. I guess I'll take two more. It's like you're all almost like halfway to overdose yeah, two, territory. Uh, yeah, two pills is one gram. So if you're like, well, you know, this isn't doing anything. Maybe I'll take two more. Basically, you know? he uh, either took like an extra pill. Uh, for each one of his uh, doses a day, or he took an extra dose a day, and right, yeah, or he could have, and I've done this before with ibuprofen, which doesn't carry the same risk quite so yeah. fast. It's like, God, I've got some killer pain. Let me just like get like you know eight of these and take them right now. I'm like you really should not do that, and I I don't do that anymore. But I used to do that. Like, oh, I've got a really bad headache. I got to get back to work. Let me just take like eight pills. I'll get it knocked down right, you know, real quick. Yeah, the best so, I take is three. Yeah, I don't take I don't take acetaminophen anymore because of of how easy it is to mm-hmm. accidentally wreck your kidneys or your liver with it, which I already have you know higher risk for for being diabetic. So I take uh, ibuprofen or naproxen. Yeah, which uh, the maximum daily dose for ibuprofen uh, is twelve hundred uh, milligrams. Yeah. So right, or- I believe so. Um, I usually only take two or f- to four hundred milligrams. If I, like, I'll start with two pills, so two hundred milligrams, and then if I need more, I'll take two more. But otherwise, I don't. I don't take any more than that, even if I still yeah, hurt. Twelve hundred uh, 
uh, over the counter per day with 3200 uh, on prescription uh, strength for pain relief. But that's uh, say uh, maximum safe dosage, right? So, anyways, yeah, it's it's very easy if you're taking Tylenol or acetaminophen to overdose on it, especially if you have other complications that you either are not aware of or are aware of, but aren't aware of the interaction that acetaminophen has with it. I don't know if this is true or not, because I don't trust pharmaceutical companies. I, I trust them less than I trust CD Projekt Red. Uh, <laughs> but I, ha- I have heard from doctors and scientists before that have said, like, if acetaminophen was discovered today, it would not be, uh, like, it, it would not be allowed to be sold over the counter. Yeah. Uh, because of how easy it is to accidentally kill yourself with it. Don't know if that's true or not. I don't, you know. I don't. I don't trust pharmaceutical companies or our government at this point. So yeah, fuck them. Yeah. Well, I found uh, this one that says uh, a, per- a person should uh, cross thir- thirty-two hundred milligrams per day of ibuprofen or eight hundred milligrams at once. So right. Yeah. Which that's a hell of a lot. <laughs> yeah. So this has been the uh, I guess medical uh, the, pharma- safety? the pharmaceutical right <laughs> the pharmacological portion of the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah, that was yeah. It's more uh, you know just uh just a shame on what happened to him. Yeah. And just be careful, especially with painkillers, right? Yeah. Life's a bitch, and then you die. Mm-hmm. Very bleak, but yep. yeah. At least, well, the way it, I was going to say, and I, I like, I have a really positive sentiment for this, but I think it sounds kind of bad the way that I, I'm going to say it. But I started the sentence. But yeah, but I, at least. Far. At least his legacy is going to be carried on through DirectX. Like, you know, that's something that he will always be. Yeah, and that's in not the, his sort only of the tech of history books for. Yeah, that's not his only thing. Of course, uh, he was a, a pioneer in uh, computing in general. It's just yeah. DirectX was kind of his baby. Yeah, like the, the big thing mm-hmm. that he was known for. So, so speaking of big things that they're known for, the U.S. government's fucking us again. Yeah. Uh, the U.S. COVID-19 relief bill, the most recent one, would punish streaming of copyrighted content. Legislation is fucking stupid. I'm, I'm in a mood tonight, I guess, because I've been very mad at, like, everything that we've talked about so far. Yeah, yeah. Except I, the games yeah, we play. Yeah, and I'll bring up politics, right? Yeah. That, I'm, I'm not even gonna go into how bad the COVID relief bill is. It's bad. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, it, well, it's, it's not just bad, it's an insult. I, I, I'm sure that this happens elsewhere in the world, but being that I'm from the United States, I'm the most familiar with U.S. legislation, and this garbage happens all the time. They will put, and, and both, this, this is one where both sides of the aisle are responsible for this shit. The GOP does it more slash worse, so the Republicans, but the Democrats are also guilty of doing this. They will shove garbage legislation into a bill that usually doesn't have anything to do with it to try and like cram bad legislation down and be like oh they they said no to the bill look at how bad they are for saying no to the bill and nobody pays attention to the fact that it's like no the other you know the other side is saying like we don't want your garbage legislation in this bill that doesn't have anything to do with what we're trying to to deal with here so among other things, yeah, I'm just I'm just look at the person that uh, that 
that put this in the law, and he is an utter piece of shit. Yeah, I, I'm going to send you uh, the Wikipedia form, and yeah, uh, right, and it's going to jump right to his local positions. Okay, opposes abortion. Uh, this is let's see, Thomas Tillis of a- uh, North Carolina. North Carolina senator uh, opposes abortion. Oh, not uh, just opposes abortion, but was forcing ultrasounds on women seeking abortions. Oh my god! Economic policy quoted as saying, "What we have to do is find a way to divide and conquer people who are on assistance by getting people who had no choice but to receive public assistance to look down at these people." Who choose to get into a condition that makes them dependent on the government. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> oh, oh boy. <laughs> right. Opposes increasing the federal minimum wage. Uh, denies climate change. Um, I don't know what this is. He has a 9% lifetime score from the League of Con- Conservation Voters. Oh, I read that as conservative. Conservation. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That would uh, be but bad. he has an A plus from the National Rifle Association. Of course he does. Uh, opposes the Affordable Care Act and has repeatedly voted to repeal it. Um, so he's a bad dude. Opposes net neutrality, LGBT rights. So I'm sure he's anti. <laughs> oh, boy. Voted for an amendment to a non-binding resolution that would allow same-sex married couples living in states that do not recognize same-sex marriage to have access to government resources. Wait, what? None that would allow... Okay, so that that doesn't sound bad unless I'm misunderstanding what this says. Opposes a rule. Yep, oppose the ruling that recognized constitutional right to same-sex marriage. Yeah, fuck this guy. Has he had COVID already? <laughs> what, are you going to get sneeze on him? He needs to get COVID. Anyways, what was I about to say before we got... Oh, I remember what I was about to say. So, <laughs> among other things that has been rammed into this bill is that... Um, let me find it. I navigated away from it. So they have added um, legislation that would establish a small claims copyright claims board and specifically make digital transmission of copyright protected works a crime punishable by up to 10, 10 years in prison for second offenses. And it mentions further down that they can be fined up to $30,000 for this. Plus legal fees, mind you. Yeah, plus, plus legal, legal fees. fees. And that's going to be a lot more than 30000 and the the reason why this is so bad now, someone might say, "Well, punish the streaming of copyrighted content." Also, you know, they're going to be uh, someone uh, streaming movies or posting movies on YouTube. No, we've seen multiple times game companies strike down streams and strike down reviews to try to stifle uh, negative uh, reviews and negative opinion, or just the be dicks and punish content providers that said something bad about their game. Hell, we've uh, seen some rumblings about CD Projekt Red doing it. Nothing confirmed yet, but one of the YouTubers I follow uh, had his uh, 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 review of uh, Cyberpunk delisted, supposedly. And that's an ongoing thing that will probably be popping up in the next week or two. So... This is very, very important to know about. And the fact that the further down, they say that uh, it would not be 
part of the uh, Freedom of Information Act outside of the final ruling. Anything in this board is essentially behind closed doors. Yeah. When people are making boards and then hiding anything about it except a result, that's a time to worry. Yeah. Do I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. This is this is my uh oh uh like the Republicans GOP you know in the Senate are notoriously petty small people do and you, do you think this is him huge, trying to appease Trump probably but not where I was going with this so you remember how before the election and one time since the election how a group of 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 Congress people, but most notably Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, oh, started streaming that. among us and reached hundreds of thousands of potential voters and are able to connect with the with with the youth and just normal people. A large part in the back of my brain is going, you know, this is probably like something to try to get back at them for that in some way. Never mind the like, fact that uh, the developers among us, I would imagine, would not be causing a fuss for that because that's a hell of a lot of uh, publicity for their game as well. It's just, I mean, we saw Trump try to, or is actually still actively trying to ban TikTok because they were full of activist uh, <laughs> mass buying or mass. I shouldn't say buying, reserving tickets to his rallies and messing with his website. Yeah. But I mean, I, I like, I don't, and I don't know how much of this would be in my brain. It's like, okay, this is to get back at AOC in some way, like to take a dig at her. Or if it's because the kind of people that like her are, are by and large younger people who really engage in streaming and gaming and stuff. And it's like, you know, sticking it to them. But I, 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 I wouldn't say it would, oh, sorry. Uh, I was going to say, uh, I pr- probably if it is targeted uh, at that sort of thing, it would be towards AOC because uh, these dinosaurs in Congress. And I would say that on both sides of the aisle, it's uh, just GOP is tip- uh, typically the more petty of the two. Uh, yeah. uh, they aren't with it enough to know that streaming is probably that much of a thing. Yeah. Petty old bastards. So, I'm so grumpy tonight. So, I'm so sassy. <laughs> Um, Among Us, though, tiny tangent, did you see that Among Us had a half a billion people play yeah, it in November? Yeah, that's crazy. God, yes. I mean, good for them, the little game that could. And basically, like, uh, the happy accident that the one streamer, and I have no idea who it was, uh, kind of uh, caused this massive snowball. Yeah. Uh, in this, like, perfect storm of things, because... Think about it. If if uh, COVID wasn't happening and people weren't home all the time, you know, a mafia game like this might not take off nearly as much. Yeah. But the fact that it's also mobile probably helps it quite a bit as well. Yeah. I just hope that they do something good with the, the, their next game. I know that they uh, uh, have scrapped doing a direct sequel that they were originally going to do. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that company next. Yeah, but I just, I would, since we brought that up, I had to, I thought I would mention that. Very popular. A lot of people who listen to our show play the shit out of Among Us, which is good for them. I'm glad you guys mm-hmm. like it. Um, Yeah, anyways, 
Fuck Senate Republicans. All right, there. I, I, I gotta I fuck you to somebody out. Uh, you ready to move on? Uh, uh go for it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I just saw something uh, browsing Reddit. I'm not sure if this is true. Uh, but someone is uh, saying that all the cyberpunk is broken dis- uh, disclosure as well. Uh, is all good, but the fact that they couldn't even properly put the CD Project Red icon on the digital Xbox game cards is truly the cherry on top. Now I gotta go see if that's true, or it could just be a joke. And at this point, uh, Cyberpunk is beyond satire, right? Yeah. But anyway, uh, as I go look for an image of that, uh, the Steam Awards. Yeah. The Steam Awards. We talked about them, what was it, last month? Yeah. Um, just like going over the categories. Um, but now we're we're going to do voting, which you already did your voting. Yeah. Which is fine. But I'll do my voting live. Doing it live. Woo! And you can, I guess, tell me what you picked. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to scroll down the page and go through the categories and I'll, you know, yeah, I think it's, I think it was a joke, but it's uh, hard to tell at this point, right? Yeah. Um, uh, do we want to talk about, uh, each individual category as well? And because we talked about what we nominated, but we didn't talk about, uh, you know, well, we have room to talk about, you know, what actually got there. Right. Yeah. Um, we can. So the first one, Yeah. do we want to just go down the list or go work our way up? Let's go. Just go down the list. Um, so first, the first one. Game of the Year. Um, they have got Red Dead 2, Hades, Doom Eternal, Fall Guys, and Death Stranding. Um, I which mean, one did you vote I for? I mean, solid picks overall. For me, it was a toss-up really between Doom Eternal and Fall Guys, but just because of how much of a phenomenon, it, at least it was for a while, and it's fallen off the news media, but it's still... Very, 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 very popular. I went with uh, just uh, Fall Guys. Yeah, uh, Fall Guys recently released, I think, their third season. Mm-hmm. Um, and people in on podcasts that I listen to and YouTube channels that I follow are still talking about it and still playing it. And they're making continual, gradual improvements to that game. So, I haven't played anything. Well, I guess I, I played Red Dead 2, but other than that, I haven't played anything on this list. Um, out of everything <laughs> oh, listed, so Red Dead. I'm between Hades because always gotta shoot some love to my man Logan Cunningham, uh, and or, uh, Super John, of course, right? Yeah, or Fall Guys for basically the reason that you just said. Um, I'm gonna vote for Fall Guys. Woo! Vote, vote yeah, submitted. I think, yeah, I think Fall Guys uh, was one of my uh, nominees as well. I don't. I can't remember what I nominated. Um. All right, next twenty twenty VR game of the year. So again, uh, Half Life Alex, Phantophobia, uh, The Room VR, A Dark Matter, Thief Simulator VR, or Sc- Star Wars Squadrons. What did you vote for? Uh, I mean, it has to be Half Life Alex. Yeah, I'm uh, tempted to vote for Star Wars Squadrons because I have seen footage of that game in VR. And it does look amazing, but there's so much you can do with Half-Life Alex mm-hmm. as a VR game. Oh, hey, look, it says underneath it, your nomination. Mm-hmm. I nominated Half-Life Alex, so I'm going to vote for it. Yeah, well, I don't have my nominations anymore because I voted, but 
uh, Half Life Alex was my nomination as well. Yeah, uh, and uh, just the fact that so many people are doing random things with it as well, and this is before really Bonnie has taken off for it. Uh, there was yeah. uh, there was a video of a I think it was a math professor using Half Life Alex to uh, do uh, a, a, a lecture over Zoom <laughs> and using that as his uh, blackboard. That's very cool. That would be super engaging, I think, too. Um, okay, so labor of love. Yeah, uh, this one has some really good choices. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's have, uh, Counter Strike. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. I, re- I was gonna say I, I Counter Strike Go, Among Us, Terraria, Witcher Three, and No Man's Sky. Yeah, uh, I had to give it to Terraria here. Uh, Terraria just had their last update for the about the third or fourth time, uh, and yeah. <laughs> they've just added so much content over the years, and it was already a solid game to begin with. Among Us, I would say, would be another solid pick just because of how much the, they're engaging with the community. And also, uh, they could have cashed in and, you know, really made bank, but they did a, a, a charity uh, auction instead. Yeah. So, I'm... Fuck The Witcher, because CD Projekt Red <laughs> is tainted yeah. right now, possibly forever. Um, no Man's Sky is a... Is, is a a good pick for me um, because I have played that game since the beginning and have seen how far they've gone and how much work they've put into it and have also resisted the urge to, to sell stuff um, instead focusing on fixing and adding features to the game. Among Us is just mwah this year. And then the same thing for Terraria, like you said, like they've had their last update for the fourth time or fifth time, you know, so yeah, they just we'll keep on about adding that. more and more and not just, you know, in-game content and all their uh, stuff has been free patches as well. The fact that Stardew Valley isn't on here is a shame. Yeah, I think I can't remember if I not if I nominated Factorio or not for this category, but for kind of similar reasons to, you know. Yeah, I think I put Stardew uh, uh, for this. I can't recall. Like I said, my nominees have, have been uh, cleared because I voted. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, there's not one here, which means that the game that I dominated didn't go up. I think I'm going to nominate or going to vote for Among Us um, because of, of what it's meant and been for so many people this year. I feel like that's worth something. But I'm voting with my heart. <laughs> um, okay, your your turn. Okay, so next up is Better With Friends. You have Fall Guys, once again. (laughs) Uh, uh, Sea of Thieves, Borderlands 3, Deep Rock Galactic, or Risk of Rain 2. And uh, here's the thing for me, is that, honestly, I'm not a fan of any of these uh, for co-op. I think we both fucking hated Sea of Thieves at the end. Yeah, Sea of Thieves is not a good game. It's not a fun game. The The idea of, like, better with friends to me is, like, it's good, but it's better with friends. And Sea of Thieves is not good at all. Not even really with friends. Uh, Borderlands 3 is not nearly it's a, a, as good as the previous ones. And honestly, the previous ones were a fucking grind fest. Uh, Risk of Rain 2, I don't really have any info on. I hadn't played it. Fall Guys, as far as I know... 
is actually worse with friends because if you get knocked out early on, you have to sit there and wait. And Deep Rock, Gal- Deep Rock Galactic isn't exactly a great game, but it's technically better with friends because it's designed that way. So I, by default, I kind of threw it a vote just because of that. As a begrudgingly, well, I guess technically. Yeah. What is this? Third person action roguelike mullet. Because <laughs> I, I'm going to vote for Risk of Rain 2. I know nothing about this game. Really, but I played the first I, one a little bit, but they completely changed the game. Fall, yeah, I mean, Fall Guys is worse with friends. Sea of Thieves is just bad. Deep Rock Galactic was okay. I, I think I, it, I think it would be a lot better with a group of friends. That's why another reason to toss it there. But eh. yeah, that's fair. And then Borderlands Three. It's eh. Borderlands. Borderlands is one of those things of like they're not super fun alone they are fun with friends but how much of it is just like the dicking around with your friends versus playing the game borderlands 2 i liked decently enough solo but yeah borderlands okay you know what you you kind of you kind of changed my mind on deep rock galactic i'll vote for that instead of risk of rain 2 (laughs) all right next most innovative gameplay we've got death stranding control super liminal Noida, Nyota, I don't know how to pronounce that, and Teardown. I mean, obviously, super liminal. Yeah, like, uh, that that was a no-brainer for me. That's a no-brainer, yeah. Yeah, Noida, cool. it, uh, magical action roguelike uh, in a world where every pixel is physically simulated. I mean, neat, but I've seen that before. Teardown, kind of seen it before, but not quite. Super yeah. liminal, nothing like it. So, it it's a couple games that could have been there. Death Stranding is basically uh, the Postman, the, uh, the Kevin Costner movie, uh, the game. Uh, Control, don't really know a lot about it. Super Limbo, just, it, it's a bad year for these other ones, assuming that the votes go the way that they should, right? Yeah. You know, I'm going to toss uh, Noida onto the uh, ever-growing uh, uh, wish list. Because that does look interesting. It's just not nearly enough to beat Superliminal. Okay, so outstanding story-rich gameplay. And this is like the worst one for me because I've played none of these. Uh, So Red Dead Redemption 2, Detroit Become Human, Mafia Definitive Edition, Metro Exodus, and Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition. Okay, I guess technically I played the second Mafia, but not the first, so... Uh, t- yeah. For me, I just kind of threw it to Horizon because Red Dead, you know, eh. Detroit Become Human. Uh, everything that I've seen about it, it just, yeah, it's right. What, Detroit? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, you know, it's just basically another one of his games, right? Yeah, Mafia- but I really like his games. Uh, Mafia. I really like that. And I'm blanking on the, uh, on the guy's name now. <laughs> Um. Oh my God! Like I, I know it, but uh, like my brain is not telling me what it is. Uh, David Cage. Yeah, David well, what, Cage. Well, it doesn't help that you sent me that trailer, so I kept going Cage, 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 Nicholas Cage, Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Uh, no, no, that's not. Uh, that's definitely not. Uh, um, Cage, Cage, Cage. It's still Nicholas Cage. Uh, so, uh, Metro. Yeah, I don't know enough about it, and I know. Uh, 
Horizon Zero Dawn uh, was uh, uh, rather acclaimed at uh, acclaimed. So yeah, I kind of tossed it there uh, as kind yeah. of a yeah more of a guess. And t- after tossing out a few that I didn't really care for, yeah, Red Dead Two is supposedly has a good story from what I've heard and seen. <laughs> I'm not done. I'm not done. That's not like a, a backhanded like thing. Like I've not seen a deep sort of introspective or retrospective on that game so i can't because i i haven't played any of these but i've done deep dives on the the story content for each of these games because they're all fairly acclaimed in that department um and like this year has been the year of me like watching these deep dives on games and their storytelling process and things so but i haven't seen one for red dead i'm sure one exists but i haven't found one from uh a creator that I like their style or can tolerate their voice for hours at a time. So Red Dead is supposed to have a good story. I I can't confirm that. Detroit Become Human is great. I like David Cage. I'm probably a little biased in that direction, but I like the way that he tells his stories. And certainly the gameplay aspects of them are hit or miss at best, but the stories are always trying to do something interesting and unique. And so Detroit Become Human good in that respect in my view mafia is a solid storytelling experience metro exodus has got the weakest story of the metro games based on everything that i have seen um gameplay wise it's better but story wise it's worse and then horizon zero dawn does have a really good in-depth story a lot behind the curtain uh for what's going on there so it's a close call for me between detroit and horizon um, but I think I'm gonna vote for Detroit, though. Yeah, well, definitely. What's your right Detroit. to be wrong? <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, did I read that one? Uh, I did. You did. Okay. Uh, next, the best game you suck at: uh, Apex Legend, Crusader Kings Three, Ghost Runner, FIFA 21, or GTFO. Whatever that is. Uh, it's a survival uh, uh, game. Hardcore four-player cooperative first-person shooter with a focus on team play and atmosphere. <laughs> right? I, buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. Right. So, of the games oh, on this oh, list... Oh, sorry. That, for some reason, I was comp- uh, com- uh, confusing that with another one. It's basically a survival game. Okay. Of the games on this list, I've played Apex Legend and Crusader Kings 3 and... I don't like Apex Legends because it is, uh, you know, one of them there, Battle Royales. I'm decent at it. I'm, I'm decent at first-person shooters. And then Crusader Kings 3, I, I mean, Crusader Kings 3 is, for me, like, easily the winner at this. Because I'm not great at that game, as we've discovered on our adventures. I've had my kingdom overthrown, like, Five, six thrice. times. Yeah, so many times. Me, but meanwhile, it's so I'm sitting fun. over here just quietly taking over Ireland. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I I united Portugal and then lost Portugal. I, uniting Portugal by losing Portugal doesn't count. Well, I united them for a while and then I lost them. But yeah, Crusader Kings three easy yeah. for me. Yeah, same, easy choice. Yeah, same. I mean, I I absolutely hate where FIFA's gone. Uh, just from a monetization standpoint, I don't really know Ghost Runner, Apex Legend, and. Eh. And GTFO, it wasn't the one I was thinking of, but eh, right? So, right. next up is Outstanding Visual Style. Ori and the Will of the Wisps, 
Battlefield Five. There is no game. A, a Jam Edition 2015. <laughs> Marvel's Avengers. <laughs> uh, and Black Mesa. So let, yeah. let's just write off Marvel Avengers immediately because there's many things wrong with that game. And one of them is the fact that Everybody looks, looks like bad. Uh, looks like their Saturday 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 Night Love counterpart, and I know they have to get away from the actors because you know they don't have the actors voicing them. They, they are like in this alternate uh, universe, but it it doesn't do anything that stands out from boring Mika Triple A game face these days. Yeah. And the same for Battlefield 5. Battlefield 5 looks good, but I think this category is supposed to be like an interesting art style. Doing something different or unique or ha- having like a certain feel to it. And Battlefield 5 is just like going for for realism, which is fine, but that I don't think that's what the category is supposed and, and to honestly, be And honestly, there's no game uh, jam edition. Uh, it, yeah. It's artistic, but it doesn't do anything that I haven't seen. Black Mesa about the same boat. It's pretty. It's a, I would say, solid double A game. There is some, uh, the screenshots at least, very impressive. I mean, hell, even Ori and the Will of the Wisp, it's something that we've seen before. It's, right? It's the pretty, yeah. I would say it's the most artistically stunning of them. And, yeah, and kind I mean, of, I, uh, I voted for default for me just because, but right? Yeah, out of everything that's listed, Ori is the only one that has a really good visual style that's not just, like, going for realism. So, I mean, it, for, uh, it would have been between Ori and Battlefield Five, but I think the category is art style, not just graphical fidelity. So, Ori wins. But, yeah, I think it's more of a default win. Um, okay. Uh, best soundtrack. Doom Eternal. Halo, the Master Chief Collection. Helltaker. Um, Need for Speed Heat. Or Persona 4 Golden. Yeah, tough uh, call on a couple of those, huh? Yeah. Halo's interesting to see that up there. I guess, I mean, Halo's soundtrack is very iconic. Um, Everything from the orchestral tracks, um, you know, the the monk humming Mm -hmm. at, you know, at the beginning of every game to the hard rock that punctuates certain key moments. I mean, it's a good soundtrack, but... I, I don't know. Just because it's so old, it feels weird to me. I went for rip and fucking tear. Yeah, out of everything on here, Need for Speed Heat isn't even the be- doesn't even have the best Need for Speed soundtrack. Um, Helltaker has got a good soundtrack. It's a rhythm game, but I think yeah, Doom Eternal. I would rip say and tear, baby. Yeah, I would say yeah. Still, you discount uh, Need for Speed. You have four solid choices because. Persona 4 also has a really good soundtrack. Yeah, I don't I don't know the Persona 4 soundtrack. I probably heard it somewhere. But uh, know, well, like a little bit more uh yeah, J-pop, but still, right? I like J-pop. Well, there you go, right? Yeah. But uh, I'm also voting for Doom Eternal. All right, and the last one is Set Back and Relax. The Sims 4. It, it does feel a little weird with all the EA games, doesn't it? But that's yeah. what happens whenever you know, they mass dump them, right? Microsoft yeah. Flight Simulator, Satisfactory, Untitled Goose Game, and Factorio. I, I, 
I know it's because I haven't played them, but thinking of sitting back and relaxing, Satisfactory and Factorio, no. <laughs> They're not relaxing games. I love Satisfactory and Factorio. I And for mo- many of these other categories, I would be all about voting for them, but they're not relaxing. They're engaging, they're fun, but you spend the whole time like, okay, I gotta solve this problem and get the next thing. Solve the next problem, get the next thing. I suppose that could, someone could find that relaxing, but not even I find that relaxing. Okay, uh, so it's not just me, that's good. And uh, Untitled Goose Game, uh, it could just be the fact that I haven't played it, and I've just seen uh, bits and pieces about it, but a lot of it is trying, is essentially a puzzle game where you are a dickish goose and uh, to me that's kind of against the idea of you know sitting back and relaxing you know yeah uh, I'm, because it requires a little bit too much engagement so it comes down to sims 4 and flight simulator and if we discredit the absolutely ab- abysmal patching system which i imagine the steam version would uh, uh, get around then i kind of have to toss it to uh, flight sim because that's what stressed me out about a flight simulator the most was trying to get the team thing running and just by downloading it. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, Sims 4 is a, a really good choice as well, but it's not the best of the Sims series, at least at the current moment. Because the, the problem with the Sims series is every iteration, they basically reset the game and they re-release all the DLC over the course of the next few years. And there was just so many regressions with the systems uh, uh, going from Sims 3 to Sims 4 as well that I just can't throw it a a vote. I've been uh, goofing around with Sims 3 after playing Sims 4. And just, there are things that I do miss from Sims 4, but, and I realize it's not about which one is better, but uh, I still gotta toss it to Flight Sim just because once you take off, you know, you just sit back and enjoy the uh, scenery. While Sims 4, you're constantly having to worry about certain things. Yeah. Uh, just a, I don't know. It's just a weird uh, choice of games, really. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm torn between Sims 4 and Flight Simulator. I haven't played Sims 4. I own it. I, I got it for free or next to nothing from Origin at some point. But I never uh, played it because yeah, Sims, the Sims 3 is better. Yeah, Sims 4 but, was free at one point. But Sims 4 is basically the same thing as Sims 3, just a little worse. And I, I have always found The Sims to be extremely relaxing. I don't go, like, super in-depth into, like, trying to manage and do all this crazy stuff. It's just like, ah, I'm just gonna, like, mess around and have a good time. And, but, I mean, Flight Simulator also, previous versions of Flight Simulator are very relaxing and enjoyable. But I haven't played the new one because of the stupid update system like it never like or patching system rather i just i got fed up with it and just uninstalled the game so technically i haven't played either of these games but they're like based on playing previous games that are essentially the same thing like i can figure out what you know what they're gonna be like Mm -hmm. and yeah i'm gonna toss it to microsoft uh, flight sim for me because i used to love to play my uh the previous versions yeah you know Fuck it. I'm going to vote for Factorio because I can. <laughs> I just... None of... It feels weird to vote for games that I haven't played when there are games that I have played. And if it was Sims 3 up there, I'd be voting for Sims 3. But it's not. It's Sims 4, so... 
Fuck it. Factorio. I nominated Factorio in like three categories and it didn't make it in any of them. So, you know what, Factorio? You can have my love here. So there we go. The arbitrary awards. Woo. Really, though, these awards don't matter. The VGL awards are the ones that do matter. Yeah, I I think it's your year to wear the little red dress. Didn't I wear the little red dress last year? Uh, Don't I wear the little red dress every year? uh, uh, True. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, you're not wrong. It's it's my turn to wear the little red dress. But... <laughs> that poor year. dress. Yeah. Gonna have to take it out again. Gonna have to. <laughs> no, I've lost weight this year. Uh, yeah, yeah but there's so many really rips the, the seams. That's true, that's true. I, I guess I should say, get it overhauled. Maybe I get a black dress this year. Get a sexy black dress. Well, it is slimming. Aw, oh, yeah. Alright, well, with that out of the way... Did we, uh, other than our news topic that was given to us on Discord, did we have any uh, other socials? No, that was it for community feedback. So if you wish to uh, contribute, vglpodcast at gmail.com, tweet us vglpodcast, or go to vglpodcast.podbean.com and go to the Discord to uh, leave something there. Woo! Woo! Which means that with that through, it's time to doobly-doo on over to and a And of course, I uh, got one immediately because I'm sending your setting on it, right? Where is where is Discovery Q in the uh, you have to, the You have to page? scroll down quite a bit. I see. All right. I got it. So I got Go Kingdom Rush Vengeance Tower Defense. So the sequel, question mark, to uh, Kingdom Rush, I mean... This was, uh, Kingdom Rush was one of the premier Flash-based tower defense games that kind of defined the genre, uh, or defined the genre that wasn't around making mazes, which is honestly the tower defense that I like. So, you know, definitely worth a look. It released uh, in October, so don't know uh, why it hadn't popped up before, but there you go, right? Indeed. So I got one. Dealer's Life 2. Apparently this is a sequel to a pawn shop game uh, that I didn't know existed. It says, your favorite pawn shop experience is finally getting a sequel. Haggle like your life depends on it in this funny tycoon game. You never know what's going to stumble through the door. So obviously, like, Pawn Stars inspired, but with, like, some silly cartoon stuff and, like... I'm guessing, like, reference humor and things. Well, because I see something that I... uh, The the Half-Life Crowbar. Yep, and the Millennium Falcon... Cape Oldwell. Spaceship. I mean, it looks... It it looks... I mean, I like this type of humor. So, I might like this. It's early access. It's $9 right now. It's 10% off for its uh, release sale window. Whatever. So, cool. Okay, so I got Back for Blood, a spiritual sequel for Left for Dead from the creators of uh, the Left for Dead franchise. So right there you go, right? Co-op yep. narrative gameplay com- uh, compared to multiplayer as human or uh, ridden instead of zombies now. Uh, I mean, it is rather impressive looking uh, just from the get-go. It's basically a HD uh, Left for Dead. And you can definitely see the influences from the... Uh, but with uh, quite a bit of new stuff as well. So that'll be interesting when it comes out in summer. Assuming we survive to the summer, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, I got Franchise Hockey Manager 7. So, I mean, it's exactly what it 
It says on the tin, manage a, fr- a hockey franchise. Uh, does it come with the mullet? <laughs> I don't know. I don't see any mullets here. I see lots of stat screens, um, which is cool. If I liked if I liked hockey, I would definitely be into this because I love this type of thing. Um, I know some people who do, though, that I'm going to recommend this to. I mean, or at the, least not recommend, but have them look at it because I don't know anything about it. But. I mean, uh, the fact that it's uh, a, another sports manager that isn't football or soccer. Football. Football. So I've got something interesting. Uh, looks like a roguelike. Or a proper roguelike. Uh, crown trick. Uh, enter a labyrinth that moves as you move, where mastering the elements is the key to defeating enemies and uncovering mysteries in this underground world. So, very impressive looking. It has a very clean art style to it, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Uh, not overly busy. Uh, it came out in October, well uh, uh, reviewed. Why has this not been on my radar? Adding to wish list. Uh, but yeah, it looks pretty good. Sweet. Uh, so I got one. Medal of Honor Above and Beyond. This released uh, recently. Um, it says December 10th, 2020, but I don't know if this is a, a dump from like. Um, it, does EA own Medal of Honor? Is that right? Uh, yeah, I... I'm pretty sure. Okay, so I don't know if this is part of the EA dump, but it's a VR game. So it has to have come out in the last few years. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a Medal of Honor VR game where you're playing an uh, OSS officer. That's officer of or Office of Strategic Services. They're the precursor to the CIA. Um, so it looks like you're you're doing like special ops stuff. I mean, it, it looks neat. I don't have you know I can't test it out unless it. Um, oh no, it requires. It's not support like it. It is a VR game. Yeah, I've, so, yeah, I skipped one that was a VR game. So. Yeah, looks neat. So I got one for you. Okay. Fantasy Grounds Unity. So a virtual tabletop game, as in uh, RPGs. Uh, uh, a rather flexible looking one as well to be able to remotely do D&D campaigns. Ooh. And with a fuck ton of DLC that uh, with different uh, rule sets and uh, stuff. So there you go, right? Now is this... Okay, so I just it looks it. licensed because prep less, the better, exciting upgrades, adventure. Okay, is is this just a, a tool like a DM tool? It, it looks like a DM tool, perhaps, but that's why I wanted to toss it to you to take a look at it as well because I'm not a D and D guy. So, but there are seventeen hundred DLCs for this. Damn. Okay, so yeah, this is a DM tool. Um, I may have just sold looks, you something, huh? Looks like it's when you like what comes stock is D and D Fifth Edition. Um, there's so many things. So D and D Pathfinder, th- these are all in there. Um, DLCs. Let's just put it this way: if you go to their uh, developer page, it breaks down uh, the list. Uh, Pathfinder Two. Uh, commercial rule sets, uh, just a generic one. Other official supported games. Fantasy Grounds, Starfinder, Pathfinder, Savage Worlds, uh, uh, Advanced Doubles, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, 1E, 2E, Call of Cthulhu, Traveler, 2E, Conan, uh, 2D20, uh, Alien Role Playing, Total Party Kill, 
uh, Travelability, uh, 5e, Sasquatch Games, uh, Cold Bowl where's, Press. Where's their complete list? Uh, if you click on uh, Browse All on the DLC, it takes you to their developer page. And then uh, you could uh, see all their lists uh, by going further down. It has so many DLC that, right? Yeah. Goodness. It looks like... It looks fucking complete, doesn't it? No. No, it does not. Uh, uh, well, for, well, if you piecemeal it. They have definitely got the D&D, uh, what I'll call the D&D sphere. Because Pathfinder is, I believe, D&D third edition that has kind of branched off and become its own thing and then D&D obviously is D&D um but they're missing anything from Fantasy Flight so no Star Wars RPG they're missing um what is it Dark Wolf which is I think it's Dark Wolf the, the people who make Vampire and Werewolf and some other games like they're missing that at least not... You know. Oh, like I said, I'm not the tabletop guy, so... Yeah. If if you're primarily a D&D or a Pathfinder guy, this would be, a, I think, a huge recommend for you if you're already not using any other type of DM tools. Because there are a lot that exist. But if you play too much outside of that sphere... So they don't have Call of Cthulhu. Oh, okay. Here's... Okay, they do have Vampire the Masquerade. Only, is it only Vampire the Masquerade? They do have Call of Cthulhu. Do they? Did I miss it? It's their own list of Call of Cthulhu. Oh, here it is. Call of Cthulhu. Okay. I'm, I'm actually on their website now. They don't have any of the Fantasy Flight stuff, though. So, okay. So, they got Vampire. All right. Uh, and they've got the new stuff. The new, the newest Vampire, too. They've got 5th Edition and then the newest Camarilla thing that came out. Cool. All right. I'm going to look more into this um, and see if Mind it's, you, it's still useful. very expensive because, right? Yeah. But it's, it's the, you know, it's DM tools. It looks like character sheet creators, map stuff, um, encounter creation tools. You'll have rule sets. It'll have monster lists. Um, so this could be a very handy tool for you if you're not already using another one. It looks like there's some sort of uh, subscription that you could also do to have access to everything. It would definitely save you a shitload of money on books. I'm all for stuff that keeps you from having to buy all of the books. Or having to manage all the books, right? Yeah. Because sometimes, right? Uh, Let's see. Now I'm uh, kind of doing it. So they do have some sort of subscription going on uh, where they have an ultimate subscription that's 10 bucks a month that looks like it might be everything. Host a game and allow others to connect, including demo licensed users. Also, you could uh, bring in uh, other people with the demos, with the with the subscription, hmm, right? Yeah, it looks fairly interesting. There is some pretty stiff competition in these the sort of DM tool market. Yeah, but the um, fact that they have the actual license to be able to use the real stuff instead of having to be you know discarding around things, huh? Yeah, well, that's that's a plus. That's a good thing in their favor. But there are a few other tools that do have licenses. Although they've got the license to not everything, but almost everything. So that is a, a, a couple of points in their favor. Um, if anyone out there is interested, I would I would be happy to like go through it deeper 
and either talk about it on the show or you can just ask me directly on Discord or whatever. Um, and I'll walk you through. I use a couple of tools, but for the most part, I do most of my own uh, writing and management with systems I've developed because I've been playing tabletop games since you know, since I was like 12. So I've got all these things that I've built up over time before these tools existed. Yeah, it looks like. Anyways, it looks like it's uh, really designed also for uh, remote play. So really good at right now, huh? Yeah. Because if you have uh, one of the subscriptions, uh, you could just have your players have the demo and remote into you and be able to control a campaign remotely and not have to deal with uh, third-party tools as well. Yeah. That, that's a that's an interesting poll, huh? Yeah, although they're, you know, it's know. one of those things, like, there's other tools that exist that people use a lot, like Roll20 mm-hmm. or Discord bots for things. But it's it's an, a tool that might be right for your game and your gameplay style. That's the thing. Like, if this is a tool that would be helpful for your specific gameplay or the way that you run games, then, you know, it could be a really powerful tool. Um, okay, so I got Ragnarok, the VR Viking rhythm racing game. Lead your Viking ship to victory in this VR rhythm game. Pound your drums to the, sh- the sound of epic music from Celtic rock to Viking power metal. And set sail against your rivals in multiplayer mode. This just... Just... Mwah. Watching the trailer for this is great. Um, oh, I, I want to buy a <laughs> VR headset right now and play this. It's I mean, it's a rhythm game that you're playing in VR. It's so good. So good looking. They got Ailstorm on here. Oh, there we go, right? So, yeah. Although... Ailstorm kill, Kilt? Although, I kind of admit, Ailstorm's kind of a weird choice because they talk about killing Vikings. Nana War of Steel. I don't know who that is. And more. Yeah, this is very cool. All right. Yeah, I'm just looking at this. So, yeah, that... Okay, we gotta put this one on. Because I gotta scroll back down because I accidentally reloaded the page. I got Dwarf Helm, a co-op RTS. Oh, link twice instead of grabbing uh, the actual name. Uh, the interesting thing about this is that they have a friend pass system, so uh, you could have just one copy and then have your friends remote in and play alongside you. So, uh, single and multiplayer. Uh, it has a very, very, very Warcraft feel to it, and it might just be the art style to it. But they also have uh, some sort of machinery system going on here that is weird. That has a sort of a Factorio vibe to it. I'm not sure if that's actual game uh, mechanics or if it's just like a machine that's in the game or what, but it's interesting. But take a look at the, that last screenshot and tell me that's not Factorio-esque. Uh, let me pull it up here. The last screenshot. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it looks like there is a... Uh, a a role where you can basically go full Factorio in the game. So there's different classes. One is a builder class that, that, and their units support the team by healing units and building defenses and houses. Uh, the miner, which is basically going full Factorio, and the warrior that trains the army and defends the town. That is really interesting. That could be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I- one that inspired by Factorio. There you go. Right. Indeed. So I got Tanuki Sunset, a third-person longboarding game where the players follow Tanuki. Uh, master longboarding, 
drifting or longboard drifting, making their way from mountain ranges, cities, and beaches in Sunset Island. It looks it looks very cool. It's got a good art style. <laughs> very like eighties sort of polygonal, like bright colors. Um looks very cool. I'm into it. Okay, I wasn't going to put this one on the list, but then I read the, uh, the creator. So, Wadam, from the creator of Katatori Damachi? Katamari Diomacy, I yeah. think? Uh, yeah. yeah, I butchered it, but uh, that's not new. So, going to be weird, but probably a lot of fun. I mean, there's a toilet uh, uh, dancing with uh, multicolored poos, right? Right. I mean, this is going to be weird. This is going to be fun if this is your thing. If it's not, then stay away, right? Yeah. So I, I don't quite have one yet. I'm trying to figure out what this game is. And I had a couple that you already had. Because um, I got Back for Blood mm-hmm. and uh, Dwarf High. And I pulled that. Yeah. I don't. I, this is. I don't know what kind of game this is. It's an indie RPG. I mean, it's an... Okay, I'm just going to copy-paste it. It's an RPG maker type game. Uh, Here's the link. Public Defense Corp. That's like a mecha uh, RPG maker game where you're a person who wants to get revenge and they get to pilot mecha and they're cops. I don't know. This it's very confusing. The description is slightly confusing. There's not enough information about what this is. It just says giant robot RPG. Run missions in a sci-fi world. Modify your robot from drop parts. Do PR to increase your popularity. But it doesn't show any of that. Just regular RPG maker stuff. The trailer's not very informative. Maybe yeah, yeah, it looks like based. somebody got the humble bundle with all the RPG maker stuff, huh? Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting looking, I guess. Yeah. Anyways, carry on. Yeah, I was just looking at this. So, yeah, okay, this looks like it has enough to it that it's not, yeah. So, swords and magic and stuff. <laughs> so, swords a, and essentially magic a, and stuff. A, a sandbox RPG that's focused around co-op and uncovering uh, uh, hidden secrets and quests and loot. And stuff. It has like a, a high, uh, uh, high def version of Minecraft feel to it, but not quite. Just because of uh, how all the characters are built. It, you know, that giant blockhead. But it's not quite a Minecraft game. I mean, it looks nice. Okay. It's early access. Uh, well, actually not a bad price to jump in on. Uh, 15 bucks. Not amazing, but not uh, great. It's already on your wish list because, of course, it is, right? Of course, it is. Yeah. I mean, it would be good with a group of friends, but yeah. All right. So I'm at the last game on my list. Uh, this is Timely. I think is how you would pronounce that. Timely. Um, it is a stealth puzzle adventure game, but where you can manipulate time, um, so that you can see, I guess, what's going to happen and plan things accordingly in order to uh, stay stealthy. And you play a cute little girl with her cat. Uh, Yeah, manipulate time through this companionship journey of a mysterious cat and a little girl with a precognitive power. So, yeah. That's that's my cue. So, I got 
Diggles, the myth of Ferris. So this is, well, a dwarfs with attitude. <laughs> uh, this has a very, not Dwarf Fortress vibe, but, oh, the, there was a, uh, Creatures, where it was a semi-autonomous uh, game. It doesn't look like it's quite there. That's a, like a 2.5D uh, management game. It looks interesting. It'd be interesting to see where they take it as well. Because there's a lot of different places that you take these games. And usually, uh, right. uh, uh, bad places. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, <laughs> right. it seems like for this genre. But yeah, it looks like they have uh, some interesting ideas about this one. It is fully released. It's at 8 bucks. So, yeah. When did this release? Uh... Oh, it looks like it released uh, last week. And it's already... Uh, well, it is also the Steam Winter Sale, so I imagine that they're trying to capitalize on some money, on some sales because you know, these games are like... Uh, is this a re-release? Or... Okay, now I gotta go check this out real quick because uh, reading some of the reviews, it sounds like it's a re-release or a uh, HD release. Okay, so it looks like it was a, a little-known game that just didn't uh, take off and was really released as, as an HD version. So that does explain some of the more dated uh, graphical styles, huh? Yeah. But yeah. I guess I also automatically assume uh, uh, early access for a lot of these games. Ugh. That, that, that's, that's terrible looking. That, even though it's uh, free-to-play, you're paying too much for that. It, it looks like it... it uh, any asset flip uh, would be a con thing to say for this. As tech untextured hands uh, in first person. No. And the last one. Okay. That's interesting. A roguelike card crawler. So you're fighting cards? Ring of Pain. I mean, take a look at that, right? That's a, a new take on the uh, on the deck builder genre, huh? I'm trying to pull it up, but the page isn't loading. You're not paste it right? No, you did. I, Steam, I think, is oh. is struggling. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, so it's uh, published by Humble, so it definitely it definitely has uh, some uh, proper backing behind it. 15 bucks. Uh, looks like some people are saying that's way too RNG uh, dependent for a roguelike. Uh, it takes some of the skill level out of it. Which is something hard to balance. But, yeah. Interesting, to say the least, huh? Yeah. But, yeah, that's my cue. Cool. Uh, uh, only, hey, Rage. I only had one porn game this time. I had a couple. No, None good enough to talk about, though. Well, I did uh, do a cue earlier. One for, uh, for the uh, uh, free card, but also because I saw the games uh, listed in it. And it was like two or three porn games back to back to back. And none of them even uh, good enough to be jokingly talk about. Yeah. Anyway, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, GamingWithCR, or you can be my friend with uh, on Steam, Caffeine Rage. And you've been? Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTube by searching for Gaming Psychologist on Twitter at JMA4707. Or be my friend on Steam by sending a friend request to jarthur4707. And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the past, well, phrase this week is, the only winning move is not to play. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. I'm surprised they didn't invoke uh, war games. Right? Yeah. Well, we are. Unfortunately. We are.
It's kind of a shame because I was kind of looking forward to Cyberpunk. Or cautiously optimistic, but, right? Yeah. This is why you don't board the hype train. Because nope, sometimes don't board it, the hype train, thou shalt not pre-order. You don't board the hype train because it could derail. Or, I guess I should say, it's more surprising when it doesn't derail these days. <coughs> anyway, scrolling all the way back up to the top. Once again, you can talk, contact us VGL Podcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or tweet them to us VGL Podcast on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely uh, patrons have made this madness possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash VGL Podcast. And they've also provided us with our Podbean, vglpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the show notes, uh, RSS feed, links to all our stuff, or if you wish to spread the love, you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is on the ground, and our Discovery Q music is doobly-doo, both by Kevin McLeod, both uh, can be found at incompudeck.com, and... As always, as this lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye. Woo.